Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is. Good. 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 To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The 2 1. Swung line drive left field. One run is in. Here's Kevin Green. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm Jason Powers. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. Before we get to our episode this week, I want to mention our sponsors. First off, if you want to reach out to us, reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. Let us know how what you think, how we're doing. Got any suggestions for us, topics you'd like to see us cover. And now to our sponsors, Titan Home Lending. If you are anywhere in the state of Florida and you need to get financed for a home purchase, for a refinance, for a renovation, reach out to me at Titan Home Lending, area code 205-790-1404. We work with veterans, first responders. We have access to conventional loans, FHA loans, VA loans, jumbo loans, and everything in between. So reach out to us at Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404, and let me put you in that home of your dream. Ultimate Health Plans. If you have a relative or if you are of the age to take advantage of Medicare benefits, reach out to Patrick Highland at area code 813-966-1052 for all of your Medicare needs. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, down here in Tampa, Florida. Appreciate you finding us on the variety of podcast platforms that you may be on, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Pandora, everything else that we're probably on. So thanks for finding us. Remember, subscribe, rate, and review when you're done. Tell your friends. This episode is going to be very centric around the NCAA tournament. We're going to go through each bracket with my guests, you got T.J. Reeves, the man of many, many talents from the Coast to Coast College Basketball Hoops podcast to the Three Dog Thursday podcast to his – tell me the name of your boxing podcast, T.J. I got I got more podcasts than I think I have family members, and I got a lot of family members. Uh, thank you. Good to be with you. Big Fight Weekend is the boxing podcast. So uh, we mix it up with boxing – we mix it up with underdogs on Three Dog Thursday. We got to talk some college hoops, and I know you were getting into getting to it. B u c c a n e e r s. Go Bucks as and well, last, my friend. Yeah. Last but yeah. not least, TJ is the sideline reporter for the Buccaneer Radio Network. He was at Super Bowl Fifty Five. He's got the vest. I was told he's got the vest on the wall from the from the <laughs> children that with a nice gift from the children. Yes. With his Super Bowl uh, media vest was was port or uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of, put on the wall in a, in a nice frame. Right, right. I got a good memento memorabilia piece there, so they surprised me for my birthday and took care of that, and so I can I can relive Super Bowl Fifty Five anytime I want by looking at the wall. It has finally sunk in. Uh, I think that all, all of that happened, and we really did witness Tom Brady 
leading the Buccaneers to a Super Bowl in Raymond James Stadium. And now I know you want to you want to mix right it up about it. free agency and everything that's going on. Yeah, I mean, let's let's get right into that. Today was day one of the quote unquote tampering period that people can allegedly make a deal, which those deals were made probably a week ago. So some very active teams. The two big probably winners of the day, honestly, are probably the Buccaneers signing Shaq Barrett, Gronkowski back in the mix, and the New England Patriots, who went out and spent a boatload of money on three or four different guys. It's a potpourri, and it's a Golden Corral Sunday after church buffet of free agent spending here in the National Football League day one. And the happiest guy in the country has got to be Drew Rosenhaus. Yeah, he's making a lot of commission money. I saw, I think Warren Sapp, we're taping this on Monday night, Warren Sapp tweeted, Drew is still winning, and, and uh, Rosenhaus was Sapp's agent for all those years. And somebody somebody had put, Rosenhaus has made over $250 million worth of contract money for his clients today. Not all with New England, yep. but every which direction, so... Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely been interesting. And if you're a Buccaneer fan, let's bring it to what you brought me yes. on here for. You got to be thrilled that your top three priorities in whatever order were Chris Godwin, Shaq Barrett, and Levante David, and you're going to keep all three of them. That is home run mixed metaphor after home run after grand slam to keep all of those guys under the cap. And again, kudos to Jason Light, to Mike Greenberg, the entire yes. staff working yes. the cap for the Bucs to have the room to be able to do it, Jason, because there was a lot of concern, especially with Levante David and Shaq Barrett potentially ready to hit free agency that one or both of them would be gone. Absolutely. And they, and just later this evening, they just re-up Gronk. They got Gronk for another year at 10 million. So, and there's, and, and again, the one more guy they're probably going to really want to get back in the mix is probably Indomitian Sue. He's probably the last guy that, and again, that may be another week or two down the road. Who knows what his schedule is and timeline is, but, Sue's the last guy they probably want to get in the mix. But do you believe that Sue is going to be the bigger priority than Leonard Fournette or Antonio Brown at this point? And I don't, you can't sign all of those guys. No. And I don't know who takes what. Sue took less money to come back on a one-year deal. Antonio Brown obviously took the bare minimum on an eight-game regular season contract because he yep. had been suspended by the league. Fournette is, a, is an interesting one. I would love to see him back on a two-year deal, but you were trying to coach me up on the cap that the Bucks may not even have enough money. Can can Fournette get an extra value meal at McDonald's for the Buccaneers <laughs> right now and get him back in the fold? Or what? what is left to pay him? I would love to have that guy back. And you would know better than me. They, I think they think highly of Keyshawn Vaughn, the third-round pick from Vanderbilt, to go along with Jones, where if you got those two, maybe you don't need Fournette in year two, especially year two for Keyshawn Vaughn. Well, I think it's a good point, and he's cheaper. Yes, and you gotta and you gotta think that way yep. with some of the. I mean, you're, you've got an offensive line right now that's tying up like thirty-five million dollars, yep. literally, of your cap or something like that. Yep. You've got a quarterback tying up over thirty million. You've got now two receivers tying up like thirty-five million. You got to have guys, Scotty Miller, Ronald Jones. I mean, just go down the list. William Golston costs some. I'm trying to go off the top of my head here. Some of those guys in the secondary. Winfield's a rookie. Not it's making second round money. Yep. Not a lot of money. Yeah. Um, a couple of the other expensive. DBs. But yeah, so a couple of the uh, a couple of the DBs uh, that you look at, like Mike Edwards uh, back in the secondary, or Jordan Whitehead. They're not making a bunch of money. You got to have some of that to make it work. 
under the cap. But again, they've done an amazing job just to try to reload and win another Super Bowl. Again, I don't I don't believe you're going to be able out of Sue, Antonio Brown, and Leonard Fournette to be able to keep no. probably all three, and you may not be able to keep two of the three. Right. You might right. only be able to keep one of those guys. Yep, absolutely. And I think when, one thing that – and I don't, I don't blame them for doing this. It sounds like they're pushing some of this money down the road a couple years. So there's going to be a couple years down the road where they got to pay off the credit card of moving all right. these signing bonuses. But I, I, but if I, if you're Jason Light, you're all in for the next two years. You go for it, and you try to win two or three Super Bowls when you can, and you worry about the dead money down the road. No doubt about what you do, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I, I mean it's a great point that you make, and they've they've done a smart strategic thing over the last two or three years of basically rewarding the players on long-term deals. This is the same with Shaq Barrett. Um, eventually, if Godwin gets a long-term deal, which again, to clarify for the fans, the franchise tag keeps him off the open market and it guarantees him in the top five of the average of NFL receivers. So that's somewhere around 16 million. Yeah. But what that means is the Bucks can still give him a new deal that yep. lessens his cap number for 2021, yep. still gives him a bunch of overall money. But what they've been doing is usually by year three of the deal, the guaranteed money is over with. So now the player has incentive to come back to the table, yep. renegotiate. They can on their end say, okay, you're not worth it anymore. We're going to get rid of you. They're not strapped the way, let's say, that the New Orleans Saints are right. strapped. That's, uh, and the Saints have been having to just chop, chop, chop every which direction. And they, and they made a big move tonight just a, few, a little while ago, getting Jameis Winston in the mix for another year to compete with Taysom Hill. I, like you, with Drew Brees retiring, I would bet there was a strong assurance from the organization in New Orleans, hey, hey Jameis, do what you're supposed to do and you'll probably win the quarterback job. Or at least you're going to get the chance to compete. I cannot believe after he sat third string and behind Taysom Hill when Brees was hurt as the backup, on a one-year, $1 million deal yeah. that he comes back to the same situation without an assurance, I can compete for the starting job. Right. Um, when he could have gone probably to a couple of other places with the same premise of compete for the starting job. And we'll see. And, of course, that's a division rival. Um, who knows? I, I, I do know this, that uh, in, the, in the Buccaneers' case, there had been so much debate for so long about whether or not this team could take off, could flourish, and what would happen with Jameis Winston. We, we now know conclusively Tom Brady led them to the Super Bowl indisputable. We know that Jameis Winston couldn't see the field except for the one playoff pass, ironically, against the Bucs. <laughs> Didn't see the field basically at all on a one-year deal. And now the best that he can do is come back to the same team on like a one-year $5 million deal that I mean, now the the history has has shown us what actually happened with what we were debating there for about two or three years about whether another quarterback could come in and win and could Jameis go get big money and be a star somewhere else. That's to be continued at best for Jameis Winston. And give the give the Buccaneers last thing and we'll move on. Give the Buccaneers front office credit. They could have easily in year four extended Jameis three or four years like most teams do because of the perception he's the number one pick. They cut their bet they cut their losses they realized they weren't going to win the championship with Jameis smart I mean it's it's a tough business and they made a they made a strong statement by saying we're going in a different direction 
and they did reward him. I know what your point is. They gave him a fifth year option deal that was yep. worth like 20 million, but yep. the, the the lease the leash was so short right. and it, and it was basically if Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich cannot come in here in year 1 and get through to you on don't throw it to the other team, then you're beyond help in this situation and maybe for good on don't throw it to the other <laughs> team and he kept throwing it to the other team maddeningly um and, and a playoff caliber team went seven and nine again maybe i haven't emphasized it enough on the powers on sports podcast <laughs> because he kept throwing it to the other team and one of the best things that tom brady did if you haven't gotten the vibe from me is he didn't throw it to the other team on a regular basis he threw it to evans and to Gronk, and to Godwin, and to the Antonio Browns and the Leonard Fournettes, who play for the Buccaneers, and it made a big difference. It wasn't the only reason why the Bucs won, but, I mean, I still go back to the NFC Championship game where Brady threw the interceptions in the second half of that game and threw three of them, and everybody was up in arms, only threw three interceptions in a game they were winning, in a game they never trailed in the second half, and I said to everybody else, yeah, but what about all the other games down the stretch of the season and in the playoffs where he didn't throw a single interception in any of them? Jameis Winston couldn't go two games without throwing a pick, and usually it was two or three of them over the two games, or maybe three of them in one game. So that was the trade-off. It was a big difference. It's not the only reason they won. And good for Jameis if he yeah. can get in there and succeed, yep. but I, I have a feeling the Buccaneers will be highly motivated against him uh, if he if he does get in there, it will be interesting. All right, let's, let's transition to the March Madness, a time we oh. both love. I know you're doing a ton of content <laughs> all week on the on the tournament picks, three dog Thursday, all that good stuff in between. Quick thought on on coaching change. Archie Miller out at Indiana. Wow, you you were right on this uh, with your work at the end of last week with my buddy Deshaun Tate. Uh, that's that's arguably the premier job that is out there yeah. now that is open and Archie Miller, again, results oriented business. You keep losing and you're not in the NCAA tournament in Indiana, you're going to be gone. I mean, there's not just an expectation of being in the tournament. There's an expectation of being in the final four and winning it. Winning games. And, and, and Hoosier fans not even been in the dance. She doesn't four have years. a dress. Four what years. is it? Four years, five Did, years. Didn't make when the tournament. Are we tournament going back, we going back to Bobby Knight? What are, we, what are we going back to the last time they were there? Okay. Tom Crean had them there. Kelvin Sampson. Uh, so uh, yeah, Indiana is now open. I know uh, Minnesota made a coaching switch and yep. there's probably a couple other ones that are coming to yep. right after the season. So yeah, but Indiana will be a plum job. I know you're, you're pumping on the name, Steve Alford. Um, I heard he was Alford, out today. They said so, he was out of the mix. And so, and it may be that Alford so soured on not getting the job that he once and for all has said every which direction, I'm not, I'm not taking it. I'm, right. not, I'm not, I'm not willing to come back. Um, I still remember quick, quick yep. story. I remember sitting in Indianapolis, 06 final four, when they had fired Mike Davis and they had not yet made a hire. We were there in the heart of Hoosier land. And you're familiar with it. You were in grad school at, at Indiana. And I, I said over and over again, doing work for Sirius XM satellite radio live there at the final four where the Gators eventually won their first of two national titles. Indiana would be nuts not to bring him back because Steve Alford could go into every home across Indiana and they know who he is. The yep. dad knows who he is. The granddad knows who he is. 
because he was a high school hero. He was an Indiana basketball hero at, at IU in Bloomington. And the athletic director, I'll name him, Rick Greenspan was the athletic director <laughs> at that time. And you know that yeah. name. Yeah. And Greenspan did not like Alford, had an ego, did not want to hire him. And Greenspan was fired probably within two or three years of hiring uh, Kelvin Sampson. And so Sampson was in NCAA trouble. And that was the end of Greenspan. How might the world have been different if, yeah. if it had been worked out? I just know this too. College basketball is not better with Indiana being in the toilet. No. College basketball is not better with any of the blue bloods of football or basketball. If Alabama is bad in football or UCLA's bad in basketball or Michigan's bad in football or, you know, pick one Duke this year misses the NCAA tournament. That's not good for business. So you need Indiana to get back. Big Indiana, time. Kentucky, Louisville, Duke all at home. Well, and how about in that region? You know this again, and we are coast-to-coast coast on college basketball, coast-to-coast, coast, and I brought this up on the show today. Thank you for the plug. It's on uh, podcast form, college basketball, coast-to-coast, coast, and on TuneIn. We're streaming with different shows. Preview mode all week. We'll be on with recap shows, live stuff around the NCAA tournament, et cetera. So we were talking today about if you live in Kentucky and Indiana, your lifeblood is college basketball. Yep. No Louisville, no Kentucky, no Indiana in the NCAA tournament. Notre Dame. And no Kentucky Derby to pass the time. Yep. No nothing else. Man, it, right. it's going to be tough for them to do. And the, and the tournament is entirely in, in Indianapolis. While, <laughs> in, while They're going to play games at Assembly Hall yes. while Indiana's not even in the tournament. Wow. Yes. And Purdue gets all the love now. Purdue's the only oh, yeah. Indiana team in, so they're going to get all the love. So, all right, selection committee, any beefs that you had with what the committee did or didn't do? The only the only qualm is with Louisville's resume being as strong as it was, and they're not in. Uh, and, it, and by the same token, you can make the argument for Wichita State, make the argument for Drake, make the argument for Utah State, Three mid-major programs all got an at-large bid. Good yep. for them. I, I want to see cross-section. I want to see some other teams get a chance. But Louisville had four wins against the RPI or the, the power ranking, the net power ranking top 50. They had four of them. Yep. Wichita State only had one. Drake only had one. So it's not about wins and losses only. If, if, that's, if, if, if you're keeping Louisville out, that would probably be the only one. Um, it, it is interesting. Our buddy Deshaun Tate brought this up. Gonzaga is in a bracket with three teams, what in Virginia and Kansas and Iowa that they've already played this year. Right. So it's potential. They can only play one of them off the bottom of the draw, but they can potentially play two of them, uh, Virginia and either Iowa or Kansas off right. the bottom of the draw. If I believe if I have that, that's right. Uh, correctly. That's right on. Yeah. But, but those are all potential rematches. And so you couldn't put, some of that in a different bracket or look at that and say Gonzaga's already played these teams and maybe they didn't peek at and it. thumped them not just barely yes, they did thumped them both all three of them maybe they did peek at it and maybe they do want the they do look at this stuff uh, I yeah. mean again don't, don't. um I've got buddies in Chicago all right yes. in Chicago they've only been talking for the last two months about Illinois winning the Big Ten and about Loyola of Chicago being back in there and it is not a stinking accident it is not a coincidence second that round. they're lined up with each other for the second round illinois is the one seed in that midwest bracket and loyal of chicago the in the battle with georgia the tech eight. if they win 
they would the a as the eight the eight nine game would play each other so again the committee does look at this stuff Absolutely. so so any notion otherwise they look at this stuff one more you didn't ask me this ucla is playing michigan state on thursday night at 10 eastern time 7 7 p.m in the pacific time zone in a standalone situation because there's going to be 3 million more people watch UCLA in the West yep. in prime time in the West. They absolutely looked at that as a matchup to put the first four into motion. Yes. Money. Uh, there's if that game is on Friday at 3 PM Eastern time, right? There's not 3 million extra people watching UCLA that live in Southern California, the state of California absolutely. and in the West. Absolutely. So that's it. That's their motive. So there, there's some qualms, but uh, minor ones for the committee. Yeah, for me, two quick things. One, Michigan State. Why is Syracuse not in that play-in game instead of Michigan Amen. State? Michigan State's beat three teams in the top five in the last two and a half, three weeks. Syracuse has one good win against Carolina by two at home. Is there? So to me, that's one. Two. Back to your western, your west region, Virginia, Kansas. Why are you putting two potential COVID teams in the same bracket? Yeah. Both of them have admittedly publicly announced they're having COVID issues and that who knows what their travel schedule is <laughs> going to be. They're both in the same region where theoretically, if there was an outbreak, you'd have the 69 and 70th rated teams sliding into their spots by tomorrow in playing in that region. How you don't split yeah. those two teams up. I agree. That's my a great mind. point. And again, we should qualify this depending on when they're hearing the podcast later in the week at the time we're taping, they got four teams on standby. Louisville is the, it's like the airlines. You're waiting yes. at the gate, waiting to see, is there a seat for you <laughs> on the plane? So it's bizarre, but these four teams are, are waiting. Uh, it's my understanding. They went to Louisville. So uh, I mean, they went to Indianapolis, Louisville. What is it? Ole Miss, St. St. Louis. Louis and Colorado state, right? Yes. All right. So they're just sitting and waiting. Is somebody COVID positive? But here's the other thing by midnight and the, and the audience is going to know this it's either 11 PM or midnight on Tuesday, they've now said the bracket right. locks. And at that point, if somebody can't play, it's a forfeit. Yep. So everybody be on your best behavior, do the contact tracing, yep. stay socially distant. And hopefully we can get this off the ground. I fear you didn't ask me this, but I fear that out of 68 teams and 36 games being played right away, that we're going to have some kind of trouble especially with somebody that wins a game coming out right. of Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I hope that's wrong, but I think it's fantasy land to ignore it and act like it won't happen. You didn't ask me this either. I'm stealing all your ammo. The news coming out Monday night that six prominent referees, or at least three of them are prominent referees. Did you see this? They are booted out of the bubble and the wow. NCAA tournament because they went to dinner on Sunday night Wow. They, their hotel rooms were not ready. They were told you're not in the bubble yet. You're not being tested yet. So they went to dinner because there was no food at their hotel Sunday night when they got there. One of them, when they come back to the hotel, takes a rapid COVID test and is positive. Wow. They've now all been to dinner. He took a confirming test Monday. He's positive. They're all out. This includes John Higgins. This includes Ted Valentine, wow. who worked multiple Final Fours. They can't ref. All right. I say that to say two things. One, that's idiotic that those guys would go and take that risk with all that's riding on it and potentially not only infect each other, but infect teams and players when they work the games. But number two, 
again, if you don't think this is real and, and, and likely to at least affect a team coming up, out of 68 teams, you're living in fantasy land. Hopefully they can contain it and a team can continue to play. I'm off the soapbox, sir. No, those are big. I mean, if you're not in the officiating world, Ted Valentine and John Higgins are final four guys all the time. These yeah. are big time officials. We all know Goodbye. Ted Valentine. If you watch they college sent basketball. Home. They sent him home, not just for the first weekend, done. but they said you're done. Wow. And and Higgins has worked six final fours. Yes. I think I have this right. And Valentine's worth worked like five. Yeah. And yeah, there's another time. official in the group that's worked like three. And they all went to dinner. Um, and again, uh, free plug, Uber Eats, DoorDash, something. <laughs> Get creative because this yeah. is serious stuff. I mean, these teams are going to be on lockdown and have been on lockdown, not allowed to have contact with the outside world. And man, oh, man. Um, so we're just learning of that story tonight at the time that we're taping. Let's hope the COVID madness doesn't overshadow the March madness. And one thing on the women's side, Gino Oriema test positive yes. today for COVID. He's done and for 10 days. And apparently cannot coach on the opening weekend, and we don't know beyond. And the latest is he was not around his team. I did see this right before we started our conversation. He has not been around his team Saturday or Sunday. So – Allegedly, it doesn't affect the assistants and the other players per se. Right. But who knows? Again, uh, I don't want this. I'm no. just being realistic. We saw it happen late last week with Duke, Virginia, and Kansas that suddenly here it is where we can't play a game because of players. I mean, I love the NCAA coming out and saying as long as you have five guys, <laughs> you can still play. What planet are we on? that a team would be down to like five or six guys and we're still going to make them try to play in a tournament game. Uh, I would think if you have multi, I understand there's money involved. You're giving me the money symbol, <laughs> but if, if you're trying to play that game with five or six players versus calling it a forfeit, that's crazy to me, but I don't know. They didn't ask me. All right, let's get to the bracket. Yes. Let's, go, let's start in the West region, upper left corner, West region. I'm going to give you a couple games and let me know what you think to me. What's the, What's the what's the first round game that you like? I like Creighton, UCSB, the Gauchos. <laughs> I think everybody is looking at that right now, just from the standpoint of uh, the fact that Creighton was so awful in the championship game against Georgetown. And yeah. again, you wonder aloud here with the whole thing with Greg McDermott, yep. the coach, uh, that uh, again racially insensitive comments. Uh, he paid a price. I know you were very outspoken on your podcast. You thought it should have been more than one game and maybe for the Big East tournament, if not, maybe his job in jeopardy. I don't know that I would go that far. But the rest of the year, by the, same, the rest of the year, by for the, sure. Maybe rest of the year, but, but by the same token, uh, he's still got to look those guys in the eye yep. in the locker room. I know a lot of his players have spoken up and have said, uh, hey, we, we know him to be a, a great man, a father figure to us, and we forgive him. So maybe they have moved on. They did win a semifinal game. Creighton, we're talking about at the Big East tournament, but Georgetown just hammered them. And you wonder if there is a carryover to that game coming up with the Gauchos of UCSB. They don't have a lot of size, Santa right. Barbara. Right. That's the only thing in that 5-12 game. So that's an interesting one that you have there. Give me a sleep. Give me a. I'm gonna give me a sleeper in that region. Obviously, Gonzaga is the overwhelming favorite. Give me a seven seed or six seed and below that you like 
that can make a win a couple games. You know, our man Deshaun Tate was telling you about Ohio University and that he potentially liked them over Virginia and that he also had UCSB beating Creighton. So he had Ohio and Santa Barbara in a second round game right. to go to the Sweet 16. I don't know about the Ohio Bobcats. Can they make a run? Yeah. Uh, a team a team to watch is maybe the Oregon Ducks down yeah. at the bottom of that draw. And Oregon-Iowa's second-round game intrigues me that yep. Oregon might be in the Sweet 16. Keep an yep. eye on that. I like USC. I think with Mobley at USC, our buddy Matt Zemick's a big USC follower. He, he reports right. on them every day. Evan Mobley, freshman, I'm probably going to be the number two pick in the draft. You got a decent draw in that after the first game. You got a depleted Kansas team, potentially, with no McCormick, potentially, because of covid so I think USC could get to the Sweet 16. I'm with you. I like Oregon as well. I don't like Iowa does not play much defense. That That's the thing that concerns me about Iowa. The one thing is you talk about NBA caliber talent like with Mobley. Luca Garza is phenomenal, can shoot from the outside, can post you up, big body. He's the type of guy that can say, "Get you know, hop on my back. We, we ain't losing tonight. That's my that's phrase true. I've always used. That's going to be a fascinating matchup with them and with Oregon, I believe in the second round. And then potentially it's them and Kansas or USC, something like that. It'll be a lot yep. of fun. We do. We both have Gonzaga winning that region. Hey, I, I'm one of those that until somebody knocks them off, I agree. I, I think, I think they're going to roll. They have depth. They have shooters. They got tested by BYU and flipped that game around after playing no defense in the yep. first half. And again, it's not as if they played no one in the preseason when you're beating teams like Kansas and West Virginia and and Virginia and Iowa in the pre-conference, they were legit then. They're still legit now. I agree. I agree. Unless there's an injury or something, I think Gonzaga's got the is, is going to win that West region. All right, let's head down to the East, bottom left corner. We have Michigan's the one seed. Obviously, the the last time we spoke, we we did not know Isaiah Livers was going to have the stress fracture issue. He's out at least this weekend. Probably going to be out a couple weekends, you would think. But a little bit under undermanned Michigan. A tricky game potentially in that second round with an LSU team, very athletic potentially. Colorado, Georgetown, everybody's all over Patrick Ewing and the Hoyas. I think that four or five days off is going to hurt Georgetown. I like Colorado to win the game. Everybody loves Georgetown. Everybody's all over Georgetown. I like Mackenzie Wright in Colorado in that game. Well, and you bring up a good point that when you're rolling like that, you don't want to have to wait a few days to play. But Patrick Ewing's team came to life at the Garden. How much was the magic? Uh, I know there were no fans. Was the magic that being there in Patrick's house? Yep. Uh, he's got a couple of big guys that can rebound and defend. They were killing people on the boards and defensive yep. field goal percentage, Georgetown. Um, and you're right. McKinley Wright's talented, but Colorado struggled. Colorado did. Colorado did make the championship game, but they barely beat USC on a last second shot in a game. They almost blew. Yep. Um, I don't know about that 12, five matchup against Georgetown there, Florida state looming as the, as the winner in that. I love Alabama out okay. of this, uh, out of this region uh, to make its way through again. We don't know about livers, but Michigan, uh, Jawan Howard's team, uh, Dickinson, the big seven-footer. They've got Hill, the other shooter. They've got Mo Wagner's brother, Franz Wagner, yep. from Germany, who can score, who can shoot. I think Michigan's fine till they get into the Alabama matchup in the Elite Eight, and then Alabama gets them. I think okay. it's roll tide to the Final Four out of the wow. East, my friend. They live and die on the three. That's the one thing that makes scares me a little bit. Is they I'll tell you this. 
I watched a lot of the Tennessee comeback and I watched a lot of the LSU comeback and they went inside to, okay. to Jones. They, they beat, get you off the dribble. Um, they're in transition. They're good. They don't just bomb all the time. They de- The three is their main weapon, but they got multiple guys that can shoot it. I don't know. Uh, they showed me something losing in both of those games to come from behind and find a way to win them. And, and, uh, and great for my buddy, Chris Stewart. Yes. I know you're an Alabama guy yes. and a Birmingham guy. Chris yes. Stewart is one of my buddies who's the Alabama Crimson Tide radio announcer. He and uh, Brian Pastick about came unglued <laughs> in the Bridgestone arena in the closing seconds of Bama winning the first conference tournament title since Wimp Sanderson, yes. contemporary of, uh, uh, of yours, Jason, with Robert Ory and Latrell Sprewell playing Derek for Wimp McKee. Sanderson in 1991. Oh, my God. That's all the way back now, 30 years ago, that Woo. Bama last won the tournament. But anyway, Chris Stewart was on the mic calling the closing seconds of that LSU game. Chris has overcome some health problems, yep. uh, to say the least. Fantastic story. I'm thrilled Absolutely. for him that he's going to get to call NCAA tournament games here with Alabama. One thing I'll say, though. That first round, Mr. Patino is looming. <laughs> I don't think they can win the game, but it would not shock me if that game with 10 minutes to go in the second half, if that's a game in round one, again, I don't think they can win the game, but Mr. Patino knocked out in 1987 at Providence, knocked out wow, Alabama, who was a heavy Alabama. favorite. And Billy Donovan and, and company. And he made yeah, a we'll, we'll see. I'm yeah. just double checking for the tip time on that one and i don't have it in front of me that is actually a friday it's actually a saturday afternoon game iona at alabama and iona again was ravaged by covid positive tests and missed like seven weeks of the season in two different stoppages but man did they put it together in march you just wonder are they ready for the athleticism and the depth of alabama and that's for a lot of these teams that go up against a big boy, an ACC. I mean, it's like North Carolina Greensboro, all right? Back up to the top half of the uh, of the West bracket. Yep. North Carolina Greensboro is a great story, but Florida State, and I know that you have affinity for them, big, physical, uh, battle-tested. Yeah. Yes, they've lost some games. Can, can Greensboro overcome that? Can Iona overcome right. a physical, fast, athletic, deep Alabama team? It's such an advantage for the for the bigger boys yep. that you almost have to play a perfect game. It has to be a combination of you sleepwalking, not shooting well. The other team matches up well. The other team shoots well, plays with confidence. There's like five ingredients in the upset uh, that have to come into play. I just don't know if it's there for Iona. Patino made a great comment last night. He goes, Billy Don is not walking through that door. <laughs> exactly. The famous Larry Bird. He was at Larry Bird's not walking through that door. Uh, because of all the problems he was having with the Boston Celtics. And yeah, Billy Donovan helped him against Alabama in the NCAA tournament. We're old enough to remember that. How many people in the Powers on Sports podcast audience remember 87 and Billy Donovan and Delray Brooks? Delray Brooks and who else shooting threes? He embraced the three 35 years ago, Rick Pitino, uh, to help them get there. I'm going to give you two teams. I think one of these two teams will be in the final eight, Texas, Florida State. One of those two is going to make a run, in my opinion, in that region. I, I got an Alabama, Michigan, but I do have Texas and Florida State in the in the uh, Sweet 16 yep. in that matchup. Uh, Shaka Smart's team again. Here we go with uh, no mere coincidence that it's Texas against Abilene Christian. Uh, <laughs> I was saying this to a couple of friends of mine. Yes. The other 14 seeds are Moorhead State, 
uh, Eastern Washington. Uh, let me make sure that I have this correct on who my other uh, two are. Colgate. Colgate. Yes. Moorhead State and Eastern Washington, along with Abilene Christian. Yes. Which which one would have zero interest to people in the state of Texas yes. out of out of out of the four, which one would have the most interest to the state of Texas to play hey. the University of Texas? And Abilene Christian just happens to be that matchup as a 14 seed. I got you. All right, let's go to the Midwest. To me, I think this is a rough region. There, I know Illinois is the one seed in the favorite, but you got Tennessee, who's a really good team, Oklahoma State, potentially Ooh. a West Virginia. And then San at the Diego bottom, State is good out there. They are. Houston, it's yep, loaded. Rugged. I agree. I think you got a very rugged, that could be a very physical, rugged region. That there, there could be some carnage in that region. You got Cade Cunningham and Oak State, you know, Georgia Tech Loyola. That's going to be the first one to 50 wins that game. I mean, in, in round one, <laughs> both those teams, I mean, you know. How about Georgia Tech's not been in the tournament in 10 years? They yep. were so good in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, heck, Loyola Chicago was in the final four back three years ago as a program since Georgia Tech's even been in the tournament. That's a first round matchup. Uh, Oregon State, who won their way in, yep. a team that wasn't even in the NIT, just like Georgetown. <laughs> Oregon State was not even going to go to the NIT yep. until they won four games. Uh, they won three games in three days, but they won five games at the end of the year, two at the end of the regular season, and then the three straight uh, in the in the Pac-12 tournament. They could give Tennessee some problems. Liberty could give Oklahoma State some problems. Yes. Syracuse with the length and the two, three matchup zone could give San Diego state some problems. Moorhead state's got a couple of bigs. They can play with West Virginia. That is a loaded Midwest regional. You're absolutely right. And a great, I mean, to me, one of the best second round matchups might be Tennessee, Oklahoma state, two teams that could, people could argue could go to an elite eight final four situation. Both those teams are really good teams. You got great coaches there. Rutgers, Clemson, I like Rutgers. Houston just kind of laying in the weeds in your, your neck of the woods, the AAC. I know you your Memphis Tigers lost two excruciating games do to I them. Have to, do I have to talk about it? They <laughs> stuck the dagger in my Tigers, and they pulled it out and stuck it in them again yep. uh, in the AAC semifinals. Uh, Sasser hitting the shots. They got Gresham underneath. Yep. They got an experienced coach who we already referenced in Kelvin Sampson. Uh, Houston was probably sweet 16 elite eight caliber a year ago with these guys. Yep. And there was no tournament. There's no reason to think why they're not going to be sweet 16 elite eight material here. Uh, in, in fact, look out against Illinois. If it's an elite eight game, if Illinois gets there, Illinois, again, big, deep, probably going to be in the elite eight. Maybe they got too much for Houston. Maybe not, but it, it's going to be fascinating out of that bracket to see if there aren't some upsets. Yep. Uh, and maybe a couple of teams that sneak into the Sweet 16. You know they're going to be upsets. Is it an Oregon State continuing their magic? Is it a Liberty? Is it a Moorhead State? Is it a Syracuse? Remember, Syracuse had a run to the Final Four, uh, what, uh, 2016, right? Yep. Yep. Where they were a double-digit seed. I'm not saying this team is capable of that, but don't count them out for winning a game with San Diego State head-to-head. -head. And who would have ever thought the best player on that team is the coach's son, Buddy Beheim? The guy is a sniper, yeah. man. He's like hey, a and six, just one, six. And just one more. Uh, you, you, you bring up a great point. He's a great outside shooter. Syracuse has been playing much tougher competition theoretically here in the ACC, and that may mean something yep. against San Diego State. 
Uh, although the Aztecs, again, were very primed a year ago, and a lot of the same players are back. Uh, we'll see on that. I'll give you a quick story, too, on Kate Cunningham uh, and how one guy can carry you. We were talking about that with Luca Garza and Iowa, uh, and I know I'm, I'm going on and on, but he's he's worth watching it. I was watching the, uh, the Big 12 uh, matchup with um, Oklahoma State, and their semifinal game Texas. with my father. My, Texas. My father, right, the game the game with Texas. Um, and my father, we were watching this game. Uh, you know, actually, it was their game with Baylor, right? Okay. Where right. they knocked off Baylor to get to the, to the championship right, game. Right, 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 my right. My father had not seen Kate Cunningham play. My father is a big college basketball guy, but for various reasons, he's not gotten to see Kate Cunningham. And I was trying to educate him. And he goes, where is this guy supposed to be drafted? And I said, he's supposed to be drafted number one. And he goes, he's playing like it tonight. He's playing like the number one pick in the NBA draft. And if Cade Cunningham plays like that, yep. Oklahoma State uh, has got a chance. They've got a little bit of size and a couple other guys that can score to yep. really be a surprise team and maybe challenge Illinois in that Midwest bracket, my friend. And the great thing about Cunningham, he, he doesn't have to score all the time. He's a great distributor. He, he, he just keeps everybody in their role, and he's just – and to your point on that, they played Oklahoma at home. And two days earlier at the end of the regular season now, he had scored 40 at Norman to lead him. All right. Two nights later, to your point, they're playing Oklahoma at home. He is scoreless, scoreless with about five minutes left in the game. But he already had some assists and some rebounds. He got a couple of buckets. He had a great pass on an assist to help them win a close game. Yep. And he was fine with the fact I got 40 the other night and I scored like six or eight in this yep. game and they found Absolutely. a way to win, to your point. Remember the Carmelo Anthony run with Syracuse back in the day. This could be that kind of run with a you know elite number one rated kind of player going to the NBA draft. So you, we both like Illinois to get out of that region? I, I don't know. Yes, I'll take Illinois, but I don't know that Houston doesn't end up beating them. I'm waffling big time. I'm like a politician here. Um, let's go Houston. Let's go Houston as a shocker uh, over Illinois to somehow find a way. We'll see. I got you. I got you. All right, let's head up to the South. Last region. Again, yes. you got some more. A lot of people aren't, aren't believing in Baylor. Baylor's the one seed. I think a great matchup in round two could be North Carolina and Baylor. You got the size of old school size of North Carolina against the guards of Baylor. Carolina's guards aren't great, but the big men for Carolina, they lead the country offensive rebounding i think that's a very intriguing second round matchup for baylor and scott drew uh yes and it and again carolina playing tough competition again baylor uh, out of the big 12 comes off of covid pause and they're playing west virginia and they're playing kansas and yep. uh, they're playing uh, down the stretch of the season um texas and uh just one huge game after another into the into the big 12 tournament um and give credit uh, where it is due to Scott Drew resurrecting that program. They've got yes. two or three NBA caliber players on that team. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch them. I, I have them getting all the way to the elite eight game off of that. Uh, I love Winthrop as an upset minded yes. team with a damaged Villanova team. So does yes. everybody else in that um, watch out also for uh, another one, Ohio state at the bottom of that draw. I think yes. Ohio state is going to find their way into that elite eight game. Ultimately with Baylor. Very interesting game close to home here, Florida, Vatek in round one, Florida has been up and down. Vatek's a pretty good team, ACC team. I think, I think Vatek's going to get it done in round one against the Gators and then Texas tech 
Not as good as they've been in the last couple of years, but they're still a very rugged team. Texas Tech in that upper region could see Ohio State in the Sweet 16. Maybe. Uh, Arkansas, did they recover from the loss to LSU right. in the semifinal? Because they had won, what, 10 games in a row or 11 games in a row, something like that, going into that game. Marcus Moody, an outstanding player. They're looking to call the Hogs here in the tournament with Eric Musselman as the coach. Musselman yep. had Nevada Correct. in the Sweet 16 Correct. two years ago, and it got him the Arkansas job. Absolutely. So can he win some games in this tournament for Arkansas uh, as a veteran coach? We'll find out. I'm just – I'm elated while we cover this, and I know we've been blathering on here, that we have all of this to talk about. Absolutely. And God willing, we can get to Thursday and Friday and Saturday and throw the ball up and play these games. Uh, I think it's important to remain optimistic uh, because they have time and flexibility too. If they want to make this up as they go along yep. and say to a team that's won a game, we'll give you an extra day or two to contact trace and test yep. because we're all in Indianapolis anyway. And this is important enough. I mean, a lot of people don't realize they're going to play right now through Monday on the opening round. And then they're not coming back on Thursday or Friday or Saturday, believe it or not, they're going to wait six days. And the reason for that, I believe, Jason Powers, is if they have COVID issues, yep. that gives them a day or two to play with and delay a game being played. I agree. So I agree. Let's just see if they do that. Because again, it's kind of quirky that they're going to finish playing Monday and not as it's scheduled right now, play again until the following Sunday. And then they're going to play Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in this adjusted, bizarre, unique setting, and then play the final four games like three days later. That's Saturday, my Monday. understanding of how the schedule is supposed to yep. go on Saturday, Monday. So they're giving themselves some extra days to play with it. Again, there's no travel involved. Yep. Everybody's around the same greater Indianapolis area or go to Bloomington or West Lafayette, which is an hour or two away. Yep. And it makes sense to be planning for this. Let's just hope. Let's hope we get all or most of it in on the first three days, and then I think we're going to be good. What does TJ Reeves do on Friday, Saturday, when there's games from 12 to 12 <laughs> at night? Are you in the house, bunker uh, down? Are you you go I am, somewhere? To a degree, I am. I will go and be with people. I know you've invited me to come out and watch some games. I think it's important uh, just for my brain cells and the fact that I'm getting older, I have to get up and get away from multiple screens <laughs> after about an hour or two. I will sometimes then focus on one game. I will get out and go walk the dog. I'm not going to be playing golf. I might go have a meal somewhere and, and watch games yeah. at a sports restaurant, which again, we get the privilege of doing that. Not a lot of States have all their restaurants right. open and whatever, but yes. Uh, and, and we're going to have to pace ourselves, my friend, because <laughs> they're going to play day and night for five days yes. for Thursday through Monday and after a while, you get into information overload, and I'm going to be working on shows, uh, and that becomes a crazy thing. One thing that I've learned, too, with doing all these shows in the podcast world, you can't assume things, and if you're going to do things, you either have to do them very, very late at night, midnight Eastern time, 1 a.m. Eastern time when the games are ending, or do them first thing the next morning, because you start trying to plan to record a post-game thing, and suddenly you've got one or two crazy finishes that are happening while you're taping or after you're taping <laughs> that you still got to address. So uh, it's it's going to be crazy. It's going to be great, and I'm just glad that we got here. One more thing uh, about all of this. Um, for the NCAA, you cannot say this enough. The lifeblood 
of how they hold all of the championships for all of the divisions and all of the sports is this men's division one tournament. When it did not play, yes, when it did not play a year ago, the NCAA reportedly lost $600 million. They are damaged financially. They are trying to make up for that to a degree with this tournament, and let's hope they can, because unfortunately the sports that are going to suffer are things like volleyball, pick one, track and field, and all the sports that benefit from the money that comes in from the NCAA tournament. So you're absolutely right to be signaling me all the time about the money sign that you've been signaling to me while we've been talking on this podcast. I'm just happy that we get this event and let's get as much of it played and as many people to watch it because there are thousands and thousands of NCAA athletes whose championships in things like golf, in things like baseball, tennis, in, in pick, pick them. Yes. Tennis. They are relying uh, field hockey, lacrosse. They're relying on the NCAA tournament cash cow here to cash coming up for these next three weekends. And remember, even the teams like the 16 seeds, the Norfolk states, the app states, they got to split that money with their conference, but that money goes to fund their football program, goes to fund, you know, the the new facilities. Everybody needs this money all across the country. Division two schools get affected by this money. University of Tampa, right down the street, a very good athletic program. I talked to their AD. They're affected by the lack of no games last year in the NCAA tournament. Yep. The NCAA uh, has suffered through it. And now let's hope that we're all smiling with all these games being played. I I can't wait uh, for all of it to go every which direction. And the the thing is, we're taping early in the week. I'm going to second guess myself between now and then because you know there are teams with an 11 or a 12 or maybe even a 13 or a 14 next to their name that are going to win games, not just a game, but multiple games. It happens every year. Quick story. You didn't ask me again. I keep volunteering things. This is the 13th anniversary of me getting the privilege of the, at the first and second round at the Amelie Arena in downtown Tampa at being at the craziest opening round that you could imagine where two 12s and two 13s both won in the same building in the same day wow. on that Thursday in 2008. I'm going to go off the top of my head. Western Kentucky on a last-second shot that was right in front of me. A kid named Ty Rogers made a 35-foot three. Against Georgetown. That, that was a 12 against a five. University of San Diego beat UConn, and I think they beat him in overtime. And I think that was like a 13 against a four. Yep. That night, uh, Siena beat Vanderbilt. That was a 13 against a four. And then also Villanova as a 12 beat Clemson as a five. You had two 12s, two 13s went in the same building, and that meant a 12 and a 13 was going to advance to the Sweet 16 the next uh, session two days later. I don't think we're going to get something to that extreme, but I'm telling you right now, if you're picking all the favorites, you're in big, big <laughs> trouble. Get, right, some many- of the, get some of the double-digit teams in there. You've got to, Jason Powers. How many Final Fours have you been to? Uh, I am I am privileged to say, having worked not only in the local Tampa Bay market, but for Sirius XM, for yep. Fox Sports Radio, and for TuneIn, I've been at 18 of them. Wow. 18 awesome. of them. I will not be at this year's for a myriad of reasons, including they're restricting who can be there, and I totally understand it. Normally at this event, 
at the final four weekend, there are about 300 or more credentialed members of the media, Jason. There's going to be about a quarter of that, wow. maybe even a fifth of that that's allowed to be at Lucas Oil Stadium. So I will sit and watch with everybody else like we all are from a distance. I love doing the programming like this, and there will be another day where I can be at a Final Four. It is a special event. It's a special thing, and I look forward to being back there sometime soon. It won't be this year. We'll watch the crazy 2021 tournament in Indiana and greater Indianapolis unfold together. I did hear today that CBS will be live on, on location for all these games, so they're not going to be doing it out of, out of their house. So Nance and Raftery, they'll be at Hinkle Fieldhouse or wherever they're going. So th those crews will actually be in the arena calling the games. Well, so. and, and again, for them, uh, in a lot of cases, uh, Nance and Raftery and Grant Hill were doing the Big Ten tournament this weekend at Lucas Oil Stadium yes. uh, in Indianapolis. So they're right there. But those crews, uh, again, for most of them, they haven't been working at a site until this past weekend at a conference tournament championship game. It's just been unusual in our business, in the media business, and, and with talking, um, and, and good for them that they're going to be able to be there. Let's hope everybody stays COVID safe and healthy yep. and all the protocols. I mean, I know for a fact what CBS was doing in the NFL season to have announcers on site and to have the producer and the director and other people involved on site with COVID testing and rigid COVID testing. That Quarantining. Was going on. They were quarantined oh, too. They, yes, and they were quarantined around the Super Bowl in Tampa where uh, Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson, and the director and the producer did not even see each other physically other than a virtual meeting. They didn't see each other physically until they arrived at the stadium the afternoon of the game Damn. because of how seriously they're taking it. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same thing right, right. now for all these broadcast crews right. that the first time they're going to be around each other after being COVID tested and isolated will be when they show up to call the games I agree. and good, stay healthy, stay safe. Let's get it done. All right. To promote the three dog Thursday podcast, I'm going to give you a couple of, give me a couple of winners. I'm going to give you four games. I want you to tell me who you like. Who do you like as an, under, do you have an underdog that you really like? I, I know that some of these teams are going to be listed as underdogs. Are we talking about just in the opening round, just for Three Dog Thursday purposes? We're talking I mean, first Winthrop round. has got to be an underdog against Villanova. I'm looking right at that one. Yep. I also love Moorhead State in that same bracket with West Virginia. Yeah. Um, I believe that's in the same bracket. Forgive me. No, that's in the other bracket. And, and Moorhead State's got to be getting some points. 12 and a half. Against West Virginia. 12 and a half. So, yeah, give me, give me Moorhead State. Uh, in that one, and uh, and I'll probably have a couple of other ones that I will love. I like you at UC Santa Barbara plus the six against Creighton. I like Iona plus the seventeen to keep it close against Alabama. Not beat them. Keep it in the ballpark. Keep it like what my man Lee Corso said. I, lo I love uh, Michigan State to beat UCLA in the first four, and Michigan yep. State to beat BYU. Although I don't know that BYU will be favored, even yeah. though it says six eleven in those games. Michigan State might end up being favored against BYU yep. uh, there in that one. So just get ready. They're going to be upsets. They're yep. going to be teams with double-digit numbers next to their name. They're going to win one or two games. I think we've already said that a couple of times. All point. right, TJ, I appreciate the time. I know it's late. I appreciate you fitting me in. I know you're up and down the wall, busy doing all kinds of stuff on all, all your different platforms. If, so one more time. Hey, if you can't tell, I love talking about this because yeah. you and I set out to go for 20 minutes and on my clock, <laughs> our 20 minutes turned out to be an hour, I think, or an hour right, and 20 man. minutes, which is fantastic. If you can't tell, I love 
talking about this stuff. I'm sorry. And I'm just so glad that we are talking about it because this time last year, the analogy I always give, it's like having a beautiful Thanksgiving spread ready to go. And somebody right before you eat it, grabs the tablecloth and yanks it out from under you. And it's all (laughs) over. That's what that was like a year ago. It was. We had nothing. So I will talk for hours on end about Mm -hmm. having something this time around, brother. It was a pleasure to be with you. All right. Tell everybody where they can find your podcast one more time. Okay, so Three Dog Thursday podcast will conveniently enough be in, out on Thursday, and we'll be talking some underdogs. My senior handicapper, Brian Edwards of MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider and guests. We'll talk tons of March Madness. That's an underdog-themed podcast. College Basketball Coast to Coast is a daily show and podcast out on TuneIn and on Apple Podcasts. College Basketball Coast to Coast, search for it. Again, it's on the Tag Sports Group channel on TuneIn for free. Free app, free online, go under Tag, T-A-G. The show starts at the top and the bottom of every hour. So if you join it a little late, it'll start back over at the top and bottom streaming. Again, I've got daily programming on that channel with guests galore, preview mode, college basketball, coast to coast. Thank you for the plug, my friend. Absolutely. Again, appreciate you finding us on the different podcast platforms. TJ does an unbelievable job. We'll have him on hopefully at some point later in the tournament. But have a great night. Get your brackets in on time. Do what you got to do to stay safe. If you go out places, be respectful of people around you. Do what you got to do to keep everybody healthy because we all want to watch basketball. We don't want to be sitting in our house with the doors locked. So have a great week. Good luck on your bracket, and we'll see you next time on the Powers on Sports podcast.